the following episode of a Cinema Recall, I would say, is rated PG to PG-13, which means that it is acceptable for all listeners, but parental guidance is still suggested, especially when listening to me. All right, enjoy. Again, everybody, and welcome to this somewhat new episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm your host, The Vern, and right now I've been really busy putting together an audio drama of Nate of the Living Dead. Uh, we finished recording part one, and in a few weeks we'll record part two with our amazing cast, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, but in the meantime, I have been putting together audio sound effect clips and music to make it sound really good. But I don't want to leave you without episodes. So yes, I'm going to be posting, or I should say reposting, older episodes that were once part of another podcast network. But since they're not really posting any new content, I wanted to take some of those old episodes and move them of course, as you know, we are part of Anchor. Anchor has been really good at giving us a lot of space to put these episodes up. So with Anchor, we're now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, a whole slew of other great podcast network sites, which you can hear right now in your ear holes. It's amazingly cool. Uh, so yes, so the episode that's going to be playing for you today is an older episode all about the movie Clue. Yes, Clue, the 1985 mystery comedy starring Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Michael McKeon, Martin Mole, Leslie Ann Warren. It's a wonderful classic movie, and I'm so glad and excited that we brought on guest Sean Homridge of 1001 Movie Podcast to talk about our favorite moments in this movie. So one thing I want to mention for this episode is that during the show, my audio sounds a little bit quieter than my guest. So there's going to be a slight difference in volume between when we both speak. I mean, it's fine. You can understand it. It's not a drastic thing, but I just wanted to mention it, just so you know, alright? So, we're not going to dabble on any more longer. I'm actually going to take one break right now. We're going to play an ad from a podcast show that you should check out. And then we'll continue with the episode about Clue. After these messages, we'll be right Hey folks, Rob here from Fat, Drunk, and Stupid. And what is that, you ask? Well, aside from three words that describe my life, it's a podcast. We talk about food, fun, fellowship, movies, books, video games, pop culture, and much more. Also, some very interesting guests and some awesome stories. And of course, some cold beers along the way too. So look us up on Twitter at FDS Podcast 7 and look for Fat, Drunk, and Stupid wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. Hello everybody and welcome to this, another brand new episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm your host, The Vern, and for today's episode, I brought along with me a very special guest, uh, Mr. Sean Horian, am I saying that name right, Sean? Help me out. Homrig. 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 I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm, I'm it's okay. You're not... Guest. You're not the first. It's all right. <laughs> Sean Hombrick here from the 1001 Movies Podcast, and we're going to be talking about our favorite moments from the 1985 movie Clue. Sean, how are you, sir? I am fantastic. Getting over a cold, but otherwise fine. And yourself? You sound good, man. I, oh, no, I did a lot of speaking, and I'm just, oh, I don't know. I missed whatever this flu thing is, fortunately, but, you know. I don't know what type of drugs you're taking here, but you sound a lot better sick 
that I do when I'm not, all right? You're very <laughs> okay, all right. articulate everything like that, but it's, it's great to have you on here. Uh, now, Sean, he's the host of the 1001 Movies Podcast, and I listened to a few episodes of that, and I, th- and I hope I'm not wrong in saying this, but you cover the movies that are in the book, the 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. That is correct, yes. yes. Well, go, ahead, go ahead and just tell listeners just a little bit more about your podcast and yourself and anything else you want to tell them. Okay, sure. Uh, I am the host, obviously, of the 1001 Movies podcast. Um, for those of you who are interested or are listening to it, you may notice that there's not been an episode since August. But the the podcast is based on the book. Um, I bought the book years ago and became kind of obsessed with it and then decided that, hey – you know, I already have a couple podcasts. Why not do one about this? So every episode, I just pick a movie at random from the book because I type them all into a spreadsheet. And I just watch the movie, research the filmmakers and the film, and do an episode about it. Um, and this has been going on for I don't know how many years, but I'm on episode 75 right now, I think. So I, I'm going to be like 110 by the time I'm finished with it. <laughs> You'll still go strong with it. Um, now, I am kind of curious here. Has there ever been a movie that you watched on here and you asked yourself, why was that on the list? This is bad. Why? I don't understand. Absolutely, yes. Um, most of them are good. But every once in a while, I'll hit one that is just like, why does this movie even exist? Um, there was a Russian film that I watched a while back, and I'm so sorry. I, Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors, that's the name of it. And I was, this is, I mean, I, I don't like it when people say, well, I don't like that movie because it was boring. But this movie was boring. It was terrible. And I, I, I couldn't understand. I, like, I really try to appreciate things. I mean, the last movie that I watched was a three-hour Bollywood musical. Well, Bollywood, all Bollywood is musical. And there were elements that I still appreciated, but there are still movies that are just like, oh, I mean, I can even appreciate Sallow or 120 Days of Sodom. Wow. But this, yeah. That's a bold statement there, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, uh, there are just, and they're minority, but there are a few movies where it's, it's, there's just a slog to get through. Um, so what was the name of that Russian movie? Well, that was really slow. What's it called again? Uh, Shad- Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors. Shadows and of Forgotten Ancestors. It, it, it's okay. from the 60s, I think. Don't ask me who the filmmaker is. It's nobody that I've heard of since. And uh, I remember I was posting it about it on Facebook, and somebody was like, oh, yeah, they made us watch that in Russian history. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. that's. I'd rather read a r- book about Russian history than watch this movie again. And now, I don't know the name of the movie, but apparently there's a movie about a woman, and it's the day in the life of her life. And she's, like, cooking food, and she brings men home to have sex with her. And I know the movie, yeah. It's it's the, the address of her house, I yes. think, is the name of the movie. And yes. I don't remember the name. I've heard that that's pretty terrible as well. Okay, so I'm not uh, quite sure if you saw that one yet, but when you describe this movie as being boring... I was hoping you'd seen the other one to see if it was better or worse. No, I have not seen okay. that movie. Okay, but you kind of know what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah, I okay. know the movie. We, our mutual friend, uh, Jay Cluett, was talking about that movie one episode of The yes. Lambcast. Yep. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, very cool, very cool. And uh, well, you can definitely find out more about uh, Sean's podcast if you go to 1001moviespodcast.lisbon.com. He is on Twitter. Just type in at 1001MoviesPC. Uh, Sean, thank you again for being on the show here with us, bud. Uh, we're going to get into our review of the movie Clue and talk about our favorite scenes. Uh, but let's do this right now as we do with all of our other episodes. We're going to take a small break, uh, listen to a few ads from some other podcast shows, and we'll be back. We'll return after these messages. There is nothing wrong with your headphones. Do not attempt to skip ahead. We are controlling the transmission, and you are now tuned in to Channel 83. We are the TV guide for weirdos, the video word made flesh, evangelists of the obscure, a weekly horror podcast dedicated to bringing you the best, worst, and weirdest that the genre has to offer. 
I'm your host, Chris, and every week I'm here to guide you through forgotten classics, unknown schlock, foreign oddities, and everything in between. If you're a horror fan with a taste for the stranger side of cinema, follow us on Twitter at at channel83pod. Drop by our website, channel83.video, and find us on all the major podcast platforms. We now return control of your device to you. Long live the new flesh. Any horror fans in the house? Try on film. Horror film reviews twice a week. My listeners are bound and tied to have a good time with me exploring films like The Omen, High Tension, and Vivaria. Subscribe to Riley on Film on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcast. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? Except half. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's the matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. Murder. This is getting quite serious. And madness. Ah! In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue. It's not just a game anymore. And we're back, everyone. Thank you very much for checking out those ads from some other great podcast shows. This is the Cinema Recall Podcast. You just heard a trailer of the movie Clue, 1985. Uh, now, I know you, Sean, you promoted this movie to win the Lambs Movie of the Month. I forget which month it was, but uh, amazing win, well-deserved win. Um, why do you like this movie so much? Oh, man. Okay. Um, well, let's go back to uh, – where do I start? Uh, back to when I was a little kid, like maybe 1981, 82, and uh, I pulled out this board game that my parents had called Clue. And my mom showed me how to play it, and I became, like, amazed with it. I mean, the fact that it's a murder mystery, you have to figure out one out of six people, one out of six weapons, and one out of nine rooms, and there could be 300-something different ways that it could end. Like, that amazed me, and just the concept of murder mysteries enthralled me. <clears throat> and then in 1985, my dad – well, it was released in the theater in 1985, obviously, and then my dad brought it home on beta wow. from the video store – and uh, we, he made a copy of it, and I think I watched it every single day. Or I watched – it was either it be, between this and Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, which despite what the, the title sounds like is not a mystery. It's more like a – kind of a Mel Brooks-type film and with Gene Wilder in it and Marty Feldman. Okay. And uh, I became obsessed with Clue in general. Um, I mean I don't want to sound a little bit crazy, but I currently – now I'm 42 years old, and I've amassed a collection of Clue games that's now in – almost 60 games, I think. Really? So, yeah, and and it's it's kind of a phenomenon, the movie, because when you talk to somebody who's in their 20s, they know about the movie. When you talk to somebody who's in their 60s, they know about the movie. And if they've seen the movie, they can usually quote something from the movie. Um, here at, in Austin, at the Alamo Draft House, about once every other year, maybe, they do like a quote along kind of like they do with the Rocky Horror Picture Show but with Clue. Oh, that's and I've been yeah, I've been to that and uh people come dressed up like the suspects. I mean, there was like a bunch of guys that came in drag dressed as Miss Scarlet, Mrs. White and Mrs. Peacock. Oh. And it's just become this this cult phenomenon that I I, I think is just so awesome and so cool because the, the the humor in it is so timeless. I don't think it's as funny as a movie as something like Airplane. 
which I think is probably one of the funniest movies ever made. But the the humor is just as timeless, and there's something just so classy about it too. It, it the movie looks really good. I mean, I, I don't think it's a real house. I'm pretty sure it's a set, but um, yeah, that's I, I could say more, but you know. I just stop me now before I go okay. out of control. I'm on the same same camp as you, Sean, because I had the board game for like a long while, and it was the one from the '70s, the original board game with the with the pictures on it, right? Yep, yep, and it's yeah, that, yeah. Um, and then I do remember slightly there being a VCR. Yes, game. yes, yes. And I watched that too. I yeah, know, I remember playing some of that. How bad it was. And then when it came out to theaters, because I do remember seeing this in theaters, my mom took me and my sister to go see it in the theaters, and it was so cool because when you saw it in theaters, each theater had a different ending. So mm-hmm. based on where you live, you would see a different ending. So I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, well, that's really cool. And I know when I first saw the movie, uh, it was Miss Peacock as the murderer. That was the yes. one that I saw in theaters. Um, and then when I went to see it with other friends, uh, then it was, uh, Miss Scarlet and a vet who did it. And mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed the fact that I go see a movie a different time and have a new end into it. Um, I don't think I really started to appreciate it more because when I was a kid watching it, I never got any of the jokes and everything just kind of went over my head. But when I started watching it with friends, you start to pick up on a few jokes, uh, especially a bit more of the set you window. And to our listeners out there who don't know what the Clue movie is about, I'll give a small little, like, uh, plot description. Not going to describe the whole plot to you, but it basically is about these group of strangers who get invited out to this mansion um, from Wadsworth, played by Tim Curry. And while they are there... They're visited by another person, uh, Mr. Body, played by Lee Vane. And Wadsworth tells them that he's the guy who is blackmailing them. And while they're all in like this like lounge study room area, Mr. Body says, Hey, look, none of us are going to get out of here. But I'll tell you <coughs> what, I will forget all about your guys' like, scandals and whatnot if you go ahead and kill Wadsworth. And he shuts the lights off. Gun goes off. Mr. Body's dead. And now they have to try to find out what's going to happen before the cops show up. And it's, uh, it's all the characters there are really great. You got like, uh, Ellen Burstyn as, yeah, no, is it Ellen Burstyn? No, it's, I, Eileen Brennan. Eileen Brennan as Miss Peacock. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, then you got Madeline Kahn and Mrs. White. Um, uh, gosh, Martin Bull as Colonel Mustard. Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum, Michael McKeon as Mr. Green, uh, Leslie Ann Warren is, is Miss Scarlet, Colleen Camp is Yvette the Maid, um, I mentioned already Tim Curry and um, Lee Vien, and I feel like I'm forgetting someone else in the cast. I think that that, uh, um, there's a few other people that I recognize. The guy from WKRP in Cincinnati, whose name I don't remember at the moment. And Martin Mole. Yeah. No, um, the guy that shows up at the end that arrests the killer. Oh, okay, okay, yes. You're right. I just can't remember his name either. And and the deputy from Jaws, which I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me until like 10 years after <laughs> watching this over and over again, that the motorist is the deputy from Jaws. And I was watching Jaws one day, and which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, that's the guy from Clue! <laughs> oh, well, let's get to right now, this, Sean. What was your favorite moment from Clue? Oh, God. Where do you start? Okay, there's the obvious. I'm just going to go to the obvious right Good. away. Um, the line, flames on the side of my face. Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her. So much it it the it flame flames flames on the side of my face breathing breath heaving which which is so quotable because when I'm just talking to people and they say something like I hated it so much and they put their hands up like that I mean it's just sort of 
it's just perfect. And I, I can't even put my finger on a single moment. But I, for me, the two best people in the movie are Mrs. Peacock and Mrs. White. Anything that they do, anything that comes out of their mouths, any look that they make is just perfect. Oh, gosh. Um, yes. It, you mentioned about Miss Peacock, the dinner sequence. Yeah. Which was like talking to the desk, like, I have no idea why we're here, and my, the soup's delicious, and she goes through this whole tirade. Well, someone's got to break the ice, and it might as well be me. I mean, I'm used to being hostess. It's part of my husband's work, and it's always difficult when a group of new friends meet together for the first time to get acquainted, so I'm perfectly prepared to start the ball rolling. I mean, I, I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, or what I'm doing here, or what this place is about, but I am determined to enjoy myself, and I'm very and oh my, the soup's delicious, isn't it? And, it would, and at the end, it would just kind of stares at her with her jaws just dropped open right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, yeah, I sh- this was written by uh, John Landis. He's the guy that mm-hmm. kind of helped come up with the story. John Landis, he's the guy who made uh, American Werewolf in London, um, The Howlin'. Um, yeah, so I. Well, no, that's Joe Dante who did The Howlin'. He did American Werewolf in London, John Landis. Um, and I, I thought that it was really kind of brilliant how he just turned this board game into this story. Uh, it, it kind of reminded me in a way of like, uh, I don't know if you saw the Neil Simon play Murdered by Death. Oh, yeah, that was that was. Yeah, I saw that years after Clue. Yeah. Um, that one is really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of there's sort of like almost like a double feature. It does. Because yeah. you, you've got a, a group of people trapped in a house that are running around trying to solve a crime. And it's, I mean, either way, the, if you look into, if you try to read too much into Clue and you actually, I don't care which ending it is, mm-hmm. it's impossible for any of those murders to have been committed by anybody yes. and be undetected. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just a preposterous mystery, mm-hmm. but you, yet still somehow remains extremely loyal to the board game. Um, it did bother me as a kid, though. That the scene where uh, Mr. Body is playing dead on the study floor, I was like, well, that can't be happening because, you know, it's not a true mystery because we know it wasn't Professor Plum because he wasn't shot and he wasn't stabbed. So we know it wasn't Mrs. Peacock, but it's maybe it's way beyond that. It's way beyond trying to figure out, uh, uh, you know, who done it. Um, I always always thought the murder was kind of like the MacGuffin. It's like it didn't really matter why they did it or who did it. It's just the, the fun of watching them. Discovered. It's like these, uh, um, how was that one? There's a movie about these guests that live in a place and they can't leave. And I don't know what it's called, but it's an old French movie. The Exterminating uh, Angel. That's what it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, this kind of reminded me of that just slightly. Not like, because they really just can't leave. All the doors and windows are locked and they just have no way of getting out of there. Um yeah, no, I enjoy that moment in the end, and I think that was at the moment when all was that the ending where all of them did it when she said, "That's right, I killed a vet." Yes, I did it. Yes, that was the, the third ending. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, my favorite moment of this, um, and it comes towards the end of it. It's probably the moment when Wadsworth is explaining everything. And going through uh-huh. all the rooms and just reenacting all the moments of the movie. And I just enjoy Tim Curry's performance. He's a live wire. And just watching <laughs> all the cast members kind of like follow him around the room. And he's picking on Mr. Green. It's just great physical comedy. But also it's got that old school um, speed of like kind of the 1920s and 30s speech. Just a little yes, bit, though. Yes, it absolutely does. Yeah. It, yeah. You all had a motive. But where and when was Mr. Body killed? Don't you see? Look, we came back from the study with a vet. Mr. Body was on the floor, <coughs> pretending to be dead. But one of us knows he's alive. Yeah. So, I explained that I was Mr. Body's butler and I'd invited you here, and we realized there was only one other person in the house. <laughs> Well, where is he? By now, she was dead. We laid her down with our backs to the freezer. 
one of us slipped through the same secret passage. Again? Of course, back to the study. The murderer was in the secret passage. Meanwhile, Mr. Body oh. beat on the floor. He jumped up. <laughs> the murderer came out of the secret panel, picked up the candlestick. Uh -huh. Mr. Body pulled us out of the study into the hall looking for an escape. The murderer <laughs> crept up behind him and killed him. <laughs> Will you stop that? No. Nonchalantly rejoined us beside the cook's body in the kitchen. It took less than half a minute. So who wasn't there the entire time in the kitchen? Whoever it was is the murderer. I don't. I don't really know what that style is called per se, but it's very rapid fire in your face, and it just keeps going and going. It doesn't slow down at all, um, and it just like a key, like Keystone Cops, I guess. Very even though much I've never so. Seen. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. heard about that. Yes, very much a Keystone Cops type of thing, and that's probably one of my favorite moments. Um... The other moment when Professor Plum, uh, they're all in the laundry there, and it's after Mr. Bias has been murdered, or they think he was murdered, and uh, they're trying to figure out how he died, and Professor Plum says, He's dead! What? Oh, uh, who had the gun? I did! Then you shot him! I didn't! Well, you had the gun. If you didn't shoot him, who did? Nobody! Look, there's no gunshot wound. Somebody tried to grab the gun from me in the dark, and the gun went off. Look! The bullet broke that vase on the mantle. Oh, sorry, excuse me. He's absolutely right. Look, there's a bullet hole here in the wall. See that? Huh? How did he die? I don't know. We're not a forensic expert. Well, one of us must have killed him. Well, I didn't do it. Oh, sorry, I need a drink. Maybe he was poisoned. There's there's moments there's a there's a line that I just did not get until I was older and uh it's the double negative line. Double negative, you mean you have photographs? <laughs> I never I actually oh. thought that they were referring to photographs on that line growing up. And it wasn't until later, like that I went to school, I guess, that I realized that they a double negative is, you know, a form of you know, when you say something that's the double negative, it's actually a positive. Yeah. And he gave himself away. Oh, um <laughs> You know, uh, uh, my other um, I, when I was on the lamb cast talking about this movie, there was somebody on there. I can't remember who it was. And I, I'm su really surprised sometimes when I hear different opinions. And one one girl, I th she was going on about how she loved Michael McKean as Mr. Green. And I was like, wow, that's a great viewpoint. Like, I've never heard anybody advocate for Mr. Green in this movie. Mm -hmm. Usually it's all about Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn or Eileen Brennan. But, you know, yo, you go, T you know, yeah. Team Green. All right, yeah, I mean, well, I guess depending on which entity you watch, um, he does become the hero. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I do like the fact, too, that I I would say he's a – I guess some professor, too, being a, an openly gay character. Um, but it was still the 1980s, and it wasn't still really openly, you know? Yeah. He just yeah. says it, and then it's kind of like – forgot about it was used more as a joke yeah and really a progressive type it's, of character but it's one of those but, stories too where you just kind of like when he does say it, you don't really care um my issue with mr green is that he's always seems to be the very kind of like shy timid guy i do like the moment when the cop shows up to the door and he's like has there been a, a motorist here and all the guys like, no, 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 no. And Mr. Green goes, yes. Well, actually, yes. Very relaxed <laughs> and like that, too. Uh, so he does a good job of being sort of like the straight man, you know, like the somewhat. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> he, he's not as wacky in his characters, uh, not like uh, Professor Plum or Morton Mole. Morton Mole could also be kind of like the straight man, too, but he's like more the gruff guy. Uh, Mr. Green. <laughs> He seems to be, like, the voice of reason. I was thought, like, Mr. Green, in a ways of being kind of, like, the audience eyes, I guess, for this. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true, because Mustard does pretend to have a firm grasp on everything that's going around, going on. But as soon as he gets control of the situation, he ends up bungling it up somehow because he's so stupid. 
but not stupid as in like he's a character from the police academy movies, but more like, you know, I, maybe they're making a commentary about the, the army or something. I don't know, but he, you know, he doesn't quite grasp the reality of the situation or, 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 or you know, common sense or I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, not only with him the story there, too, uh, one of my other favorite moments of this has to be when, okay, so you got the cop, and he's, I think, with Mr. Green. He's going through all the rooms, and he goes, all right, <laughs> yeah. I want to know what's going on in those two rooms. <laughs> now, Which two mind, rooms? <laughs> those two rooms. <laughs> now, keep in mind, too, that they just uh, put in the bodies of a motorist and a cook who had been murdered earlier in the plot. And so you have, I forget now. Okay, so you have. It was Peacock and Mustard. Yes. Peacock was behind the curtain holding up the cook's body, or that Mustard's works. holding up the cook's body while she's doing the hands from behind. And she's going, ah! <laughs> well, and White is making out with a dead body on the on the, uh, on the the couch. Yes, that's what uh, it was, all right. And then he goes to the room and is like, Oh, this is fine. Nothing shocking here. Yeah. Uh, and then the the the, uh, the moment when he talks to uh, Wadsworth, Tim Curry's character about it, he says everything's fine here. And was like, it is. It's perfectly legal. I think it was that legal, or uh, <laughs> it. I watched the movie. It's been like a few months since I saw the movie again, so I'm just trying to remember certain scenes of this. But I do particularly remember that uh, banter. The, the, uh, going back to Mr. Green, uh, there, the fact that he's gay is, you know, it could totally have been played up to be like, like almost a characterization or almost like a gay step and fetch it type character, you know, like, um, going back to airplane, like there's a character in airplane like that. Um, but there is a moment and it's not the obvious part where he comes out, then sits down and makes a little smile and Professor Plum looks uncomfortable, but they play it better when he's going up the stairs with a vet and she's the she wants to, she likes him but it's done really subtly when they decide to break up and search the house and she's doing winky eyes at him and and plum's like i'll do it colonel mustard's like i'll do it and green is like no thank you and then later on when they're going up the stairs and her she's trying to shove her boobs in his face i think and he's looking so uncomfortable oh that's so hilarious i never and the, noticed that before yeah watch it really closely when the, it's dark upstairs i am frightened of the dark will anyone go with me i will i will no thank you and she blinks at him while she's saying that because she wants to be with him. And then there's the wonderful scene right after that when they're in the kitchen and they're drawing lots to see who will break, who will, you know, team up. And the scene where Miss Scarlet realizes that she's going to be paired up with Colonel Mustard, the look on her face, she just yeah. goes, oh, I hate her. Yeah, just, their reactions are awesome. Oh. Well, it says, I always thought too when those two got paired up together. I always thought she she viewed Mr. Green as the killer because they're about to go up the stairs and she goes, well, you go ahead. No, no, you. And, like, they were trying to go both up at the same time. and Absolutely no. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was about for sure that they thought each person they were with was a killer. Well, but I do like uh, Professor Plum's line when he was with uh, Miss, Miss Peacock. It's just me and you now, honey bun. Because <laughs> he wants to, he, he can he can be with any one of the other women. Like he would he would have no problems except for her. Yeah. Because he's such a horn dog, he thinks that that's an opportunity for them to go off and do it while everybody else is searching the house. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, oh, and then there's the classic. Uh, everybody has their own, is assigned their own victim, of course, mm -hmm. except for Mr. Green, which always bothered me because. It, it, assuming if the third one, or if you assume the second and the first and second ones are the true the true solutions, there is no victim that Mr. Green is paired up with. All the others have a victim, but who was it that tattled on Mr. Green? Oh, Shit. you know, I yeah, everyone had their own little and I I am totally forgetting what his uh, scandal was that he was gay. Oh, that's, yeah. he was trying to, oh, that's right. He was, yeah, because it was the 1954 and the communist and homosexuality and McCarthyism and all that was out. And um, that was that was his secret. But, but in one of the Indians, too, and I forget about this, too, but Tim Curry is the one that says that 
he was actually the real Mr. Body and been blackmailing people. I think that was the third ending where they all did it. Yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. So maybe, yes. and so that's why he killed Mr. Green killed Mr. Body, Tim Curry's character, and that's that's my take on it. But each ending's a different thing. Like in ending A, it was Miss Scarlet and a vet who did all the killing. And I think that's the same ending too we find out uh that's why uh Miss White killed a vet. Because she was sleeping with her. Yes. I think that's the moment we talk about the flames on the face and all that stuff yes. there. Yes. I think that's from ending A. Um I think ending B is kind of the uh, the one with Miss Peacock and yes. that seems that seems less believable. That it was just her. I See, I well I go ahead. I, I think it's eh, – I think the third one where they all do it is less believable. But I think actually maybe the Miss Scarlet and Yvette one is more believable. I mean yeah. they're all impossible. I mean – true, you yeah. Know, <laughs> you know? Oh, but <clears throat> yeah, it would be impossible for one person to bump off all those people in a house full of seven people without being noticed. Um, but if you think too hard about it, then that, that, that way madness lies, you know? Mm-hmm. That goes that goes triply with murder by death, by the way, which is in the same vein. But Gosh. yeah, all right. Um, well, one more thing too, and I just, what's your, who? Well, I've got, of course, I got to talk about this. Who's your favorite character? Oh, it's it's Mrs. Peacock. Mrs. Peacock, really? Yeah. Okay, why is that? Expand on that a little bit. I think it's because. Um, I don't know. I think I just had this little gay boy crush on Mrs. Peacock growing up. Okay. <laughs> I was I, I was on another podcast recently talking about Rosemary's Baby and how I watched it so much as a kid. And I didn't think it was a scary movie. I just thought that Ruth Gordon as Minnie Castavet was just hilarious. Yeah. Um. So I just – there's something about her like she's an old lady, a little bit out of touch – Everything that she does, even if you're watching her in the background, is hilarious. Um, and the same goes with Mrs. White to a certain uh, – too. Um, I mean just the scene where she first comes into the house and Wadsworth introduces her to Mrs. White and Colonel Mustard. And then Yvette gives her a glass of champagne and Peacock is left standing there like, oh, what kind of party is this? I'm, I'm just – yeah. She can hold her own just being framed by herself on the screen and she just holds her presence so well. Um, and I, I have never really seen her in anything else, and which isn't fair for me to say because, like, I know she's been in a shit ton of movies. I've never seen her in anything else where she's better than this. Um, I know that she's been nominated for Academy Awards, like for The Sting and for Private Benjamin. But yeah, she was in Murder by Death too. But yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just, I, I liked Miss Peacock a lot. Uh, I just don't think she had enough screen presence as much as the other characters. But you are right, uh, whenever she is on screen, um, she does have good comedic timing without really ever saying a word. Like most of the other actors, they have to have like good lines. And mm-hmm. I don't think that Miss Peacock has any like really iconic lines, but she definitely does have a lot of good moments there. Um, uh, for my favorite character in this, and this is going to be kind of tough. I, you know, I'm going to probably go with Miss White. Uh-huh, I, yes. I love her deadpan delivery on everything right there. When she talks about her husband, she says, husband should be like clean this. Soft, disposable, and reusable. Yeah, soft, strong, and disposable. Yeah. Yes. Like everything, yeah, everything she says. Well, why were you in here screaming all by yourself? Mm-hmm. It's the <laughs> way that Malachan does that slight delivery there is just person. It's just perfect. Uh, it, when, especially when uh, Wadsworth is talking about her husband's. Mrs. White, you've been paying our friend the blackmailer ever since your husband died under, shall we say, mysterious circumstances. Ah! <laughs> why is that funny? I see. That's why he was lying on his back in his coffin. I didn't kill him. Then why are you paying the blackmailer? I don't want a scandal, do I? We had had a very humiliating public confrontation. He was deranged. He was lunatic. He didn't actually seem to like me very much. He had threatened to kill me in public. Why would he want to kill you in public? I think she meant he threatened in public to kill her. Oh. Was that his final word on the matter? 
Being killed is pretty final, wouldn't you say? And yet he was the one who died, not you, Mrs. White, not you. What did he do for a living? He was a scientist. Nuclear physics. What was he like? He was always a rather stupidly optimistic man. I mean, I'm afraid it came as a great shock to him when he died, but he, he was found dead at home. His head had been cut off, and so had his, uh, you know. I had been out all evening at the movies. Do you miss him? Well, it's a matter of life after death. Now that he's dead, I have a life. But he was your second husband. Your first husband also disappeared. But that was his job. He was an illusionist. But he never reappeared. Uh, he wasn't a very good illusionist. <laughs> Uh, this is a tough kind of movie to talk about too because there are just so many great little moments and not just moments but little like little one-liners there and small little looks that because usually in these episodes we talk about two iconic moments right there and kind of discuss them but we we probably discuss like more like uh five or ten of these moments right there uh-huh. it's just all difficult to uh, Kind of go through each one here. Now, I'm sure you've seen all the endings of this one here. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. Now, now it, apparently, it, there was, like, a bonus ending, too, that never got yes. shot. Yes, that is true. I guess, uh, I'm trying. I'm just trying to find the facts right now. Uh, but apparently, uh, I just had it, and then I just closed my tab here. And then I lost I, it. I found out about... Go ahead. But oh yeah, you know, basically I know that there was a big chase sequence that's supposed to happen. Like after you find out that uh, Tim Curry's character was convicted, um, and this is for like the the fourth ending, um, that there's supposed to be this big chase sequence that happened there. And yeah, this is this is okay. So a long time ago, like maybe late 80s, I found the novelization of this movie oh my in the God. local library. Okay. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to steal it. That's I didn't steal it. I, I stole a lot of books from the library, mostly choose-your-own-adventure books, but I didn't steal this. But they had the fourth ending in the novelization. Really? Okay. Yeah, and I didn't know until years later that they actually planned to film it. And this is how it happens in the novelization. Wadsworth is Mr. Body. He's the killer. And he did all the crimes all by himself. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And he poisoned the drinks with a very slow-acting poison, and his plan was to take off, leave, lock everybody in the house, to die, leave them to die, and then take off. And somehow he gets in a police cruiser, and he's driving down the road, and then he realizes that the police cruiser is like a canine unit with a German Shepherd in the back, and the German Shepherd lunges at him, and then the, the book ends. Okay. Oh. How the hell they would make that in the movie, I don't know. But I know that the fourth ending was with Wadsworth doing it. And if you watch very closely, he is not in the kitchen scene uh, when they find the cook's dead body. He's not in that scene. So he does have the opportunity to kill Mr. Body. And there's a moment when he's not in the scene in the study. Right after, you know, when right after Tim Curry slaps Mrs. Peacock, he's off murdering the cook. I he could never... be off murdering the cook, slipping through the secret passage and doing that. Um, so it, the way the movie is set up, you know, it actually, he actually could have done that. Now, the movie never explains when he's explaining the, the solution why he says one of them isn't there in the billiard room when Yvette was screaming. And, of course, that's Mrs. Peacock because she was supposed to be off murdering the cook. That doesn't make any sense in the context of the first solution. Again, errors, and it'll drive you crazy if you're like me, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So, But if you look at it as, as Wadsworth as the killer, it, it logistically and how the house is set up, it could work. I kind of buy into that ending a little bit more because it is his house and yeah. he kind of knows everything about it. Uh, yeah. That's a damn good point there. Now, but, okay, but the part with the dogs and the chasey, I don't know about that. I just yeah. can't even fathom that in my head. I can't even picture that. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, 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 here's, a, here's a proposal. Here's, here's a question for okay. you. Okay. How do the secret passages connect? This bothered me as a kid with the board game. How does that work? Does one go down in the basement and the other one goes up into the attic? That drives me crazy. <laughs> I, wow, that's a good point, because sometimes on the board game, yeah, they're, like, totally on opposite sides 
Yeah. Of the room there. Like, in, like, Dad or Dorcora. Yeah, how would that work? And they said, it's, in the movie, it seems to be pretty fast. Like, you go through one, it's, like, just around the corner. They're in the kitchen. So, I don't know exactly how this house is set up. Um, I mean, it's got great architecture. Oh, yeah. It's got, you know, great set design. And I never, I would like to actually look at a set of blueprints mm-hmm. of the movie to see how that would work. How could, like, the kitchen go back over to the lounge? Because I feel like the kitchen is in way on the other side. They had to take yeah, like, long trips <coughs> to get to one place to another. To another. So it's... if he did, if Tim, if that fourth, if that fourth engine did get filmed, even if he did leave through the secret access, he'd have to walk a long time. Exactly. Especially, you know, like Miss Peacock, uh, she doesn't run too fast. There's no way in hell that she can yeah. rush over, kill somebody, and then rush back, all right? And he says in the solution that they didn't hear the cook screaming because Mrs. Peacock was screaming about the poison brandy. How is the killer going to time it that way? The killer doesn't know what's going on in the study. Uh, yeah, you, and they'd have to be like freaking portals or something. It's impossible. Uh, the movie is like sushi. You can chew it and it tastes really good, but just don't think too much about what's yeah, in it. Don't, don't think exactly. Don't think. <laughs> and, but you, you mentioned the set design. The set design is awesome. As a kid, I was so dumb. I thought, oh, look, they actually found a house that's set up just like the board game. It's a set, Sean. Nobody really lives in a house like that. Um, but the, and not only the set design, but the costume design. I mean, the, the little details that went into, uh, like Peacock's dress and Plum's clothes and the fact that they do incorporate the colors more or less. Mm-hmm. They don't really do it for Mrs. Peacock, but they do have a Peacock brooch for her. Um, but Mrs. White, of course, they put her in all black. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, oh, they don't make her the maid because in the board game, she was always the maid. That's um, right. And uh, that bugged me as a little kid. Now I don't care. Yeah. Now she's not in it anymore. They replaced her with Dr. Orchid, who actually looks more like the I Mrs. Like, White from the mer- from the movie. But That kind of bothered me a little bit that they just called her Dr. Orchid. Because I, I got a new copy of Clue. Yeah. But I just have to ask you this. Since you own all the Clue board games and whatnot there, has there ever been like a movie tie-in? Board game. No. They have a vet or Wadsworth. <laughs> they need to do that. I don't know why anybody wasn't on that right away. Yeah. I mean, they've got like freaking Alien versus Predator Clue, which looks awesome. I mean, the, the, the art is like really cool looking. I don't give a, you know, shit about Alien versus Predator. I've never seen the movie. And they have, uh, Legend of Zelda Clue. Yeah. But no one has ever thought to make one based on the movie, and I'm willing to bet. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to bet that there are legal reasons. You know, because you have to uh, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Um, they came out with Golden Girls Clue, okay. and of course you need six suspects. Yeah. So they have the four women, and then they have two men. One of them is Stan, which is Dorothy's ex-husband, and another one is somebody that uh, Rose dated. Well, you can tell by looking at the game that they didn't have the rights to use uh, Stan's image, that the images of these two men. So on the cards and on the playing pieces, they're just silhouettes or profiles. Okay. Oh. Whereas they use the likenesses of the four women. Okay. Probably because they were part and parcel of the whole deal with the show. I'm willing to bet that there's probably a similar issue with the movie. Um, I always drove me crazy at the end during the credits they show the main characters on little clue cards. And as a kid, I was like, I want those clue cards. Like, I freaking want those. Um, But no, they never did. They never did. Well, I know this movie didn't really do so well when it came out to theaters. It did did mildly well, but it wasn't like this big runaway success. Yeah. And it wasn't until years later when it came out to home video – my niece, who is about 16 years old right now, she loves this film. Loves this film ever since I showed it to her when she was 13. And she watched it every couple of years. She's probably the only one of her friends that enjoys this movie. And I'm really kind of proud that I yeah, introduced yeah. her to this right there. Because uh, it does have that old style of uh, movie dialogue and acting yeah. that's not really seen anymore. I mean... I don't know if there's ever been a kind of a good, like, so this could almost be a play. 
Yes. Yes. This does present itself as like a stage play. And I'm pretty sure there probably have been uh, actors around who have done play adaptations of this. And I think if you're an actor studying <clears throat> the theater and acting, this is a good movie to watch because it's an ensemble piece. A lot of yeah. the actors are in scene together and you gotta try to uh, it must be a difficult task and I'm not an actor at all, so don't take my opinions with anything right there. But it's gotta be really difficult to do a scene with someone, have your lines down and make sure that you don't get in the way of other people, don't wanna overstep anyone and everyone in this cast balances their characters yeah. perfectly. Right? No one oversteps their boundaries. Uh, no one tries to upstage the next person. Um, they are just all working in this great union sin. Um, even when they're like just going, running from one room to the next when Wadsworth is giving explanations and just the small looks they give. Yeah, I'll, I'll give perfect. your... I'll give you a really good example, and I'm I'm watching it while we're doing while we're recording this, and I never noticed this before, but it's hilarious. You know the part where they're going to throw the key out the door, yes. and Mrs. Peacock is well, you know how do you know we're safe? And her whatever thing that is that's in her hair is flapping back and forth. We don't know that we are. Well, while she's doing that, standing right be kind of behind her, but next to her is Mrs. White. Her, Madeline Kahn's reactions to her while she's doing that are hilarious. It's it's as if Madeline Kahn doesn't have all the lines, but she's got all the great expressions. And nobody is obviously, as you said, trying to upstage anybody. Maybe with the exception of Tim Curry, but yeah. yeah. I, I feel like this is a movie I should watch and just pay attention to one character. Yes! Oh, and absolutely. Watch that character's reactions to everybody. So if I'm watching it again, I'm going to watch it and just look at Mr. Green. I'm mm-hmm. going to watch it again and just look at uh, Miss Charlie and just only concentrate on one character and see <laughs> the reactions to things. Because I know I'm probably missing a lot of subtle little looks and gestures and smiles and some, you know, all that other things. And I feel like this is a movie that I could just watch again and again. Now, you own this. Well, you're watching it right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but when you watch it, do you watch it with the random endings, or do you watch it with all three at once? Oh, that's the question of the year. Yeah. Um, I usually watch it with a random ending. I do, too. Yeah, and then, like, you know, this is the solution for today. Mm-hmm. Next time, it might be different. I, I kind of prefer that over the three endings. Don't get me wrong, I mean, the three endings are, are fine. That's what I had on VHS. But I like to be a little bit surprised and have it be a different movie each time I watch it. And that's what I enjoy most about the movie Clue. Um, yeah, in fact, I think this has probably been the only time that a board game turned into a movie uh, has been successful. Am I wrong? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Well, okay, this is interesting. Uh, a few years ago... Uh, some movie studio production company or something bought the rights from Hasbro or maybe it was Parker brothers. Parker brothers isn't around anymore. Hasbro, I think bought the rights to make uh, some of its games into movies. One of these was battleship and we all know how well that did. (laughs) Um, The plan was for them to make clue into a movie and it was going to be like a spy thriller. And I want to say that Michael Bay was slated as to be the director, but don't quote me on that. Somebody was listed as the director for a long time on IMDb. You know how they do that? Like sometimes you don't know if it's real or not. Like they'll, you know, a movie that's in pre pre production. And well, that kind of never happened. And then literally maybe about a couple weeks ago, it was announced that they are going to be quote remaking it with God help us all. Ryan Reynolds. Or maybe it's the other guy that looks like Ryan Reynolds, but I don't remember what his name is. Who was the guy in La La Land? Was that Ryan Reynolds? Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. I always get them mixed up. Cause, Fair enough. You know, right. um, I think it's Ryan Reynolds, though. But, but I don't... Cool Ryan Reynolds is... Oh, wait, was he going to be like uh, Wadsworth? I mean, I there... don't know. I, you see, this is the thing. It, 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 will not, it will not work as a remake. But it will work if you just make it a murder mystery set in the house. 
Okay, you can do that story over and over yeah. again. I mean, there's a million stories out there like it. There were a million before with uh, like Agatha Christie. I mean, mm-hmm. she 50 years before this movie was made, she was writing stories like this. They weren't goofy like this, but there were stories similar with same yeah. settings. You could do that again with Clue and you it would be the same premise, but with obviously a different cast and a different story. It would be just be like sort of a resetting. And that's been done successfully with other movies. I mean, think of like the James Bond franchise, how James Bond is, you know, it's different actors or Doctor Who or something like that. That would be totally cool. But remaking it. Yeah, it's just I I don't think I don't want them to do it in the same comedy style as the original. If they try to do a straight remake. And have the actors try to let like evoke the same mannerisms and characterizations of the original cast, it would not work because we're just reminded of the original movie Clue. But if they actually do make it into like a darker movie, mm-hmm. like a real murder mystery, and take it seriously, because what I the game Clue, uh, you knew about each of the characters, Professor Plum, Miss Scarlet, you knew that one guy's a doctor. I always took the game kind of seriously, like a real yeah. serious detective story. And then the movie Clue kind of like uh, made it into a comedy, mm-hmm. and it still worked because the characters on screen, they still kind of match the characters in the board game, but just to a little <laughs> bit more comedic effect. So if they did do a remake of this, and they kept it in the same serious vein as what I remember from the board game, I think it could work. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. And I think it might be because we both grew up with that 1970s version of the board game with the photographs, Yes, which I took so seriously. And what was so awesome about that was you just needed to look at pictures of the characters and you could tell what they were like. You know, you had the stodgy old lady, Mrs. Peacock, and then you had the the grumpy businessman with his cigar, Mr. Green. Yep. Now the game is almost like it's for kids, you know? It is, yeah. Um, although they, uh, um, in the 1980s, after the, I'm sorry, I keep talking about the game, after the, the VCR game came out, they came out with Clue Master Detective. I remember they that. Ad- and, and they added Madame Rose and Sergeant Grey and Miss Peach and Monsieur Brunette. Yep. They re- they've just reprinted that, and you can buy that again now without really? having to pay the exorbitant. Yeah, I saw it in Barnes and Noble uh, oh, the other day. So I got to pick that up because I just got the original Clue, but I want to pick up the one Master Detective because it's yeah. got more weapons, more rooms. Yeah, it is actually the ultimate. Like it's like Clue on steroids. But I love that. And uh, they have a great app right now um, for Clue, which they just came out a year ago, and it was like it's about time. And this company did a really great job of of designing the game. I mean, it's you can play it multiplayer. I don't recommend that. I recommend solo play. But they also have all these expansions for it. Like, you can play with different houses. And Halloween, they came out with the, the cat, the haunted castle, and all the different characters. Like, there was Monster Green, and he looked like Frankenstein. And, and Scarlet was a vampire. And uh, anyway, oh, wow. I, I could go on and on about all the different permutations of this damn game that has basically taken over my life almost to the point where I now have a part-time job doing murder mysteries on the side for money. Yeah, well, yeah. I own. Well, explain a little bit more about this. I didn't know about this. This is cool. You do like uh, murder mystery murder mystery parties for people at their jobs and. Yeah, I I own a company called Murder for Hire. Okay. And I would tell you the the website name, but it's down right now, so I'm not. Uh, it's okay. it's in reconstruction. But um, I basically hire myself like a clown or magician would, and I do murder mysteries for office parties, birthday parties. Um, I'm doing one tonight for a place that sold tickets for it out in the country. Um, <clears throat> all of the people that comma are assigned parts and they're given their parts ahead of time. And I show up and I'm sort of like the Wadsworth. I go from person to person and interview them and encourage everybody to ask them whatever questions they want. And um, everything that I do as actually more or less comes from not the movie clue, but just the idea of clue. Um, Because if you look at those characters, each character is sort of like, um, what do you, what's the word? Um, not a stereotype, but like, um, uh, yeah, uh, like a characterization. Um, uh, there's another word for it, some fancy ass word. They use it a lot when they talk about Star Wars. You know, you've got your, your intellectual, you've got your military guy, you've got your, uh, businessman, you've got the, the elderly character. You, I, I, those I, are all. It's a role playing term that I just can't think of right now. 
Yeah. Um, archetypes. Archetypes. There you go. They're all different archetypes. And um, the stories that I've written for these murder mystery parties that I do are all based on the clue archetypes. I mean, they're literally the same 10 characters recycled with different names and for a different theme. Um, and I use the 10 character types that they use in Master Detective and the clue VCR with, you know, Sergeant Gray and Madame Rose and that. So, yeah, I do that for fun That's on the cool. side. Yeah. And I started doing it in the 90s because I was so obsessed with the movie Clue. And then I found out that they would sell these, you know, boxes in the store where you could invite your friends over, you know, have them, you know, play a part. And they're not quite as frenetic as the movie is because you literally cannot run around your house. No. <laughs> unless you, you know, you can't buy a pet. But it's more like sitting around and role playing and, and sitting around in your living room and role playing. But. Yeah, I just got this is this is where this movie has led me today, where I'm paying off my student loans doing this for fun. Well, that's cool as hell because yeah. you love this movie so much and you're taking the passion of that movie and you're putting it into uh, these murder mystery job, murder mystery parties. You're taking something you love, turning it into a career. I mean, why not? I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm my my hats off to you, Sean. That's amazing. Actually, I would love. I kind of wish you lived around the Twin Cities. I would think about <laughs> how you come down because I I played a few murder mystery parties with a few friends and we all have our own characters, eight own characters, and that was fun. Didn't get to go to a house and play with your friends, role play with your friends right there. That's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I would be very curious to see you do it because you know the movie well and you've seen it a bunch of times and kind of put your own spin on there. Yeah, I. It is amazing there. Um, I think that's going to kind of wrap up our discussion on Clue. Unless you have anything else you want to say, Sean. I can't think of anything. But I'm, uh, I'm spent. <laughs> we we both recommend you see the movie. If you've never seen it before, um, <coughs> yeah, I, I think that all the, it's a great comedy movie. Um, don't get too bogged down to the whole murder mystery point of it. That's not really the point of Clue. Um, yeah, but I just enjoy everything about this. I, we both agree that a remake will be bad unless they try to make it serious. Um, but Sean, I mean, you said you, what's your next episode for your podcast you're going to be on? It's going to be on in literally a couple weeks. I've got six, well, I've got, I, I like to get like six episodes in the can and then release them. Um, so I've got five out of six episodes in the can. I've got the six movie watched. I just have to, no, I take that back. The last 45 minutes aren't watched. I feel horrible not watching a movie from beginning to end, um, sometimes, but sometimes I just don't have the time, but that will be up very, very soon. I promise. And I think the first episode will be about cave of forgotten dreams. Um, a documentary by Werner Herzog, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay. A documentary that was made in 3D and intentionally made in 3D by uh, by somebody like Werner Herzog. Um, I also uh, host two, well, three other podcasts. Um, if you like Doctor Who, you can listen to the TARDIS Tavern. Um, that kind of is on a hiatus right now. Um, or if you like Columbo, on, uh, speaking of mysteries, uh, currently um, we're doing the Columbo Confab podcast. Uh, okay. which we started a couple months ago. And also, if you like horror movies, I'm on the classic horror cast with my friends Kyle and Eric. Uh, last episode, we talked about Rosemary's Baby. Um, we're going to talk about the reanimator next month. So, yeah. If I like that. I like yeah. the fact that the classic horror movie cast does different decades. and Oh, yeah, yeah. We go, we go from like a very kind of like prestigious movie like Rosemary's Baby to reanimator. And you give them the same level of respect and love. I love that. Yeah. You know, um, one of us likes to take it very seriously. And, you know, last month it was his turn to pick the movie. So he picked Der Golem, which is a German silent movie that I had never heard of before. Well, actually I did, but I'd never saw it before. And then I think he did that because the, the month before I picked Sleepaway Camp. Oh, nice. I, I just never saw that movie, and I wanted to see it, and it's so dumb. But anyway, uh, I honestly, I've never seen the movie either. I just see lots of reviews about uh, the infamous ending and everything like that. But was the rest of it any scary? It's kind of like Friday the Thirteenth. I never saw the original Friday the Thirteenth because I know <gasps> about the ending. 
Yeah. So it's okay. It's it's really corny. Uh, not Friday the Thirteenth, but uh, Sleepaway Camp. Okay. It's it, unbelievably corny. It's like corny, like clue VCR corny. Okay. okay. <laughs> wow. All right. So that's pretty corny. All right. <laughs> oh, and that's all I got. Gotcha. All right. Well, cool, man. Cool. All right, so that's going to wrap up this episode of Cinema Recall. Big shout out to Sean Hamrig of 1001 Movies Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at 1001 Movies PC. Had a great, fun time talking about Clue and all of our favorite moments. Um, I do want to give a shout out to these other podcasters and vloggers and bloggers and whatnot. Uh, shout out to Cinema Roulette. Shout out to Cinematic Blind Spots. Uh, another shout out to Real Sharks Podcast. Thank you for playing our ads on one of your recent episodes. Uh, shout out again to Nostalgia Junk. Um, also, want to give other shout outs to the ad spots we had on this program Fat, Drunk, and Stupid, Channel 83, and Riley on Film. Check out their podcasts and shows. Um, you can find us on the social media. We're available on Twitter at cinema underscore recall. We're available on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Cinema Recall Podcast. As you know, I'm in the midst of editing a Nate of the Living Dead audio play. Uh, should have part one done, hopefully, by the end of next week. So I cannot wait for you to hear at least part one. And then part two is going to be delayed by at least a few more weeks, but I'm hoping you can at least hear part one. And I thought about maybe putting part of it on Patreon. I might do a Patreon thing early. I don't know yet. But just look for that program to come out. Night of the Living Dead audio play. Should be a lot of fun. But anyways, folks, I'm The Burn. I hope you have a great day. If you want to hear more episodes, definitely check out our website, cinemarecall.net. That's where you can find all of our episodes, all of our older episodes, I should say. And of course, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Just type in Cinema Recall Podcast. Once again, I'm The Burn. Love you all. Goodbye.